God has broken many a chain in my life, and he continues to break some of those chains as I allow him to fill my life with his Holy Spirit. And that's the subject of our message today, is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Probably one of the most misunderstood subjects in Christian life is to try to understand what it means to be Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, full of the Spirit, full Spirit churches. Um, Back in the charismatic days of the 70s, many churches took on the title or, or name for their church as being full gospel church, which indicated some charismatic movement that had gotten uh, separated from, from the cold Baptists, got to the hot uh, uh, charismatic movement, started their own church. And thus Baptists would say, well, may, if they're full gospel, does that mean we're half gospel? You know, and there was this argument going on between those who were really emotionally excited about their relationship with the Lord and the rest of us who were trying to understand the work of the Lord even better. So, so what does it mean to be spirit-filled? Uh, what would a spirit-filled church look like as well? And so the Apostle Paul is directing uh, that thought to the church at Ephesus because they live among a people who are pleasing themselves, they're pleasuring themselves uh, with the pagan worship of the, of the town of Ephesus and that, and that region. And you have to understand that background to understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit in the context of an emotionally anxious society. And today I find us in an emotionally anxious society as well. Perhaps uh, since COVID, uh, I don't know that our world has been as emotionally anxious as, as it is right now. And uh, a lot of people are looking to God for a feeling, uh, looking to God to take away an old feeling and replace it with a new kind of feeling and base their uh, sense of closeness to God based upon a feeling. And Apostle Paul is putting us back, pulling us back, if you will, to understand that our emotions are governed by facts. And the facts that govern our emotions is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to study this passage of Scripture here in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. And if you would read along with me, um, think through as we read along, think through this theme that, that follows all through this particular part of Ephesians about being filled with the Spirit, because that's what he's talking about, being filled with the Spirit. What is a filled, uh, Spirit-filled Christian look like? And so we're going to use these passages of Scripture to try to flesh that out. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore be careful how you walk, uh, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word that challenges us, that inspires us, corrects us, we pray, O oh God, that we will hear a fresh word from you, because it is the Spirit of God that has inspired the Word of God, which now speaks to us, the people of God. And Lord, uh, help us to be a, 
to be a little more clear about what it means to be filled and wise. And help us, Lord, to make some decision today to correct the walk that we are on so that we walk closer to you and be filled with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And all who agreed would say, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Richard, thank you for acknowledging Pastor Appreciation Month. Uh, I hope you will acknowledge that to all of our ministerial staff here as well. And uh, any pastor that you know or have had, would you just reach out to them? Uh, I would ask you to reach out to the former pastors of this church and uh, tell them you're thinking about them, praying about them. Um, I've been told, I'm not sure, I've been told that it's harder to be a pastor now than it ever has been. And I think a lot of pastors make it hard on, them say, on, on themselves, uh, more so than the, from the congregation. Uh, the Apostle Paul was willing to lose his head for, for the churches and the cause of Christ. And uh, so that's the model I try to live my life by as, as, as well. When you think about spirit-filled life, it's interesting how there's so much misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Philip Yancey wrote the foreword of a book called Life in the Spirit, and in the foreword he wrote a story about a Japanese man who came to know Jesus as his Savior and Lord. And his Christian friends were uh, teaching him about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the uh, Holy Spirit. Now you can imagine how difficult it is um, to really comprehend fully what it means to Trinity, God in three persons and yet one. And the Japanese fellow was learning and he said uh, his response to their teaching was, Honorable Father, very good. Honorable Son, very good. Honorable Bird, do not understand at all. <laughs> and of course he's referring to the images and pictures of the Holy Spirit as a dove descending upon Christ. Don't understand the dove at all. And I think that speaks for a lot of us as we seek to understand the work of the Holy Spirit in our life as well. Dr. Agent Rogers gave a very clear definition of the Holy Spirit when he said the Holy Spirit is Christ in the Christian. I think that's a very succinct way of defining who the Holy Spirit is in you and me. He is Christ. He, the Holy Spirit's not an it. The Holy Spirit's not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. He is Christ in the Christian. A pastor I discovered recently named Dr. Jeff Shreve explained the Trinity in this way. He said, think of God the Father as God without skin. Think of God the Son as God with skin. And think of God the Holy Spirit as God who comes to live in our skin. I think that's a pretty good way to kind of get a, uh, a, a grasp on the handle that the Holy Spirit is not a ghost wandering out there like we think about all saints Eve, you know, and the ghosts that are around and so forth. The Holy Spirit is very God living in you and me. The question becomes, is he truly Lord? The Apostle Paul said it this way, Do you not know? Do you not know that the Holy Spirit lives in you and abides in you. And I think for a lot of folks, the Holy Spirit, we understand, resides in us. But the question is, does He preside in us? Does He preside 
in us. When the Holy Spirit presides in us, and this begins the little outline I've got to help us stay on track today with this passage of Scripture. When the Holy Spirit presides in us, we are filled by that Holy Spirit. When He is truly Lord, when He is controlling us, then He is truly presiding and leading and guiding us. Hence the first part of the message that covers verses 15 to 17. Paul talks about the Holy Spirit that guides us, is a, is a spirit of wisdom. We are guided by a superior wisdom. Let's read those verses. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. We need to have a wisdom that guides us that is not our educated guess about what life is about. But instead, we have received the transforming and transcendent presence of the Holy Spirit living in us to be our guide. Jesus said, when I leave, I will give you a comforter. And he will teach you all things. He will walk with you and he will teach you and he will bring to your remembrance the things that I taught to you. So we are guided along by this superior wisdom. You learned a couple of Sundays ago in Sunday school about from the book of James that talks about wisdom from above and a wisdom from below. Wisdom from below in Paulinian terms would be the natural man. Paul would say we, are, we who are without Christ are still in our sin and guided by our sin and what we decide to do with our life and the choices we make, the decisions we make, are earthly kinds of wisdom, kind of a best educated guess that we can make. But when we are guided by the Holy Spirit of God, we are given discernment from heaven. And we understand the mind of God. Paul said we, had the mind, we have the mind of Christ. So we have a wisdom that's from above, a wisdom that can discern right from wrong. A wisdom that can discern what is the best choices to make. So we are to be wise and not unwise. We are to make the most of the time because the days are evil. Making most of the time is really redeeming the days. Not just making the most of every hour, but transforming the day that is in front of us. Because if you live with this superior wisdom from God, you can take the challenges of the day and bring glory to God in that challenge rather than being dictated by the circumstances that we are in. Also in verse 17 he says, So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. To be wise is to know God's will. And God's will is always one thing. Go ye into all the world and make disciples. That's always God's will. Now how does my life, the decisions I make, the path I take in life, fulfill God's will through me? And that's a real simple way of understanding the will of God. This presence of the Holy Spirit is a transcendent presence. It is a supernatural presence. The natural man is guided by earthly wisdom. The um, spiritual man, the spiritual person, the spiritual woman or man is guided by this heavenly wisdom we received in the person of Jesus Christ. The spiritual man is directed by Christ. 
Our interests are directed by Christ, resulting in a harmony with what God's will is for our life. And folks, hear this. When we are in harmony with God, we are in harmony with ourselves. And when we are in harmony with ourselves, Psalm says it this way, My soul is like a weaned child. Like a weaned child. We are at peace with God. We are at peace with our soul. And we seek to be at peace with others around us. Not only is this a transcendent wisdom that is supernatural, but it's also a transforming power of the Holy Spirit in each of us. One way to tell if you're being transformed by the Holy Spirit is to ask yourself, are you a thermometer or a thermostat in the world in which you live? A thermometer Christian reflects the environment, like the mercury in a thermometer going up and down depending on the environment. And so we adapt to the environment and our life comes and goes as the circumstances around us lead us along. But if we are a thermostat, what does a thermostat do in your house? Anybody turned on the heat yet? Okay, some of you are. All right, a thermostat changes the atmosphere. And so the presence of the Holy Spirit changes me and God through the Holy Spirit in me is changing the environment around me. That's what it means to have the transforming presence of the power of the Holy Spirit living in our lives. So the Apostle Paul would urge you and me to be thermostats. Do not conform any longer, he says, to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So having thrown all that out, let me summarize it by saying this. A spirit-filled Thermostat-type Christian has at least three indicators that he's mentioned just in this passage of Scripture. You could take other Scriptures, you could add to this list, you could go on for a hundred of these. But let me just mention two or three that I've mentioned in this text here. A thermostat Christian is someone who is filled with the Spirit, is Christ-directed. A thermostat Christian has Christ as Lord. The Holy Spirit is present, in, is present in every believer. But the one that says, Jesus, you be Lord of my day today, has Jesus presiding on the throne of our life. We are Christ-directed disciples. That gives us purpose in life. That brings meaning to this life. That means I know who I am and why I'm here. I can even write out a mission statement sentence that says who I am and why I'm here and where I'm headed in life. A spirit-filled Christian is a Christ-directed disciple. A spirit-filled thermostat-type Christian is someone who has the peace of Christ. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. My peace I'd leave with you. And when we have the peace of Christ, our emotions are not ruling us, but now God can use our logic thinking brain to guide us, hence discernment and making better decisions of life. When we are directed by our feelings, we don't make good decisions all the time. We are reactive. We're in the survival mode. 
We're in the fight or flight mode. But when we are following Christ and being led by the Holy Spirit, we have this thing called discernment. And discernment brings wisdom. A third indicator that we are a spirit-filled, thermostat-type Christian is that we are practicing spiritual disciplines. And these spiritual disciplines, like prayer, reflection, worship in the house of God with God's people. You know, when you, when, when you stay at home, and those of you watching Facebook, I know that some of you are not able to attend. Some of you, since COVID, have decided to stay home anyway. You know, come on back. It's safe. It's safe. Those of you who can't come at all, we're coming to you on Facebook, so don't feel guilty about that. But I would invite you back to worship with God's people because we are called upon by this passage of Scripture. In fact, it demands of us that we submit to one another and encourage each other. And it's hard to do that when you're at home by yourself. In fact, in a minute, we're going to talk about singing. And when you sing at home by yourself, you may sound good to yourself in the shower. But when you're singing like you all did earlier in this worship service, you're not only blessing God, but you're blessing each other. And it was good to be in the house of God today. It is the spiritual disciplines which yields the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the results of the Holy Spirit presiding in our life when we are practicing spiritual disciplines, prayer, worship, Bible study, fellowship, evangelism, ministry, and missions as well. All right, let's read verses 18 to 20. In verses 18 to 20, he says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, in the day in which Paul is writing, uh, there was something called a vomitorium, uh, where the Romans worshipped these pagan gods and they gouged them, or gorged themselves with food and drink and wine and alcohol and they would go and throw up in these vomitoriums and then go back to the table and do it all again and that was considered pagan worship. Now can you imagine living in that kind of hedonistic society? Well here we are in 2023 doing the same thing. We just don't call it a vomitorium, you know? We don't have those around, but um, that's how we live life these days. We saturate ourselves with the pleasures of the world, which is called hedonism, and we get drunk on those things. We get drunk on the materialism of the world. He says, don't get drunk. Don't be controlled by your drinking. Don't be controlled by your appetites. Don't be controlled by your hungers. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. A person who's under the influence of alcohol is simply trying to medicate some painful experience in their life. And their life is defined still and governed by still the pain. 
And the good news is the gospel can deliver you from the pain and the dependence upon all those things. Hope or recovery remains distant and unobtainable, perhaps even hopeless. But in the gospel of Jesus Christ, Paul is saying, you can be controlled by something else. You can be controlled by the presence of Holy God in your life who cleans up your past, who comforts your pain, who supplies all your needs according to His riches and glory, and who's willing to hang in there with you when you're ready to give up on life. I grew up in Louisiana. I grew up in a logging community around hardworking, hardworking, hardworking people. People who were doing their best to get by. And the radio station we had, I, I wished that uh, Richard had been there, uh, but uh, the radio station we were there played all country music. Now, I'm not talking about Tammy Wynette. I'm talking about you know, just the, the worst of the worst. I, I grew up on that stuff. And I, I thought, no wonder everybody around here is so sad, listening to all those sad songs. You've heard them. Songs like, I'm so miserable without you, it's almost like having you here. <laughs> Billy broke my heart at Walgreens, and I cried all the way to Sears. Isn't that sad? Thank God in Greyhound, she's gone. Y'all remember that one? If love were oil, I'd be a quart low. And this is kind of a new one. How can I miss you if you won't go away? Well, I, I grew up on that kind of country music. Now, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I like Merle Haggard. I like to listen to Merle Haggard. I got a friend that grew up in Merle, Merle Haggard. He became alcoholic. He really did. Uh, but... Um, I like to listen to that every now and then. But I love church songs. Church songs don't sing that. Church songs sing, I'll fly away. Oh, glory, I'll fly away. Holy, holy, holy. If there's anything of good reputation, if there's anything of beauty, if there's anything that reflects the character of Christ, let your mind dwell on these things. And that's why I love church songs. There are many gospel songs in the scriptures. There's one in Luke. There's one in Acts. There's one in Ephesians. There's one in Philippians. There's one in First uh, Timothy. There's one in Second uh, Timothy. And the one in Second Timothy 3.16 says, He who was manifest in the flesh is justified in the spirit. He was seen by angels, proclaimed among the Gentiles, believed in the world and received up in glory. In one of the Greek classes I had in school, we came up with a tune for that one. So what are the results of being spirit-filled? Well, it is that we are governed by a future hope. Not a past that's pitiful. We're not governed by a past that's painful. But we're governed by a future hope. Please let that sink in. A future hope. In fact, there's five things he says we can be doing here in this passage of Scripture. Addressing one another. These are verbs. Singing to one another, he said. Making melody, he said. Giving thanks, he said. And submitting to one another, he said. See, when we gather for worship and to sing to God, we're also ministering to one another. And that is a beautiful thing to God. That is an offering of sweet 
aroma. Paul said in Colossians, he echoes so much of what he says in Ephesians. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms. That'd be the songs of the Old Testament. And with hymns. That'd be some of the hymns that I just uh, mentioned here a while ago. And spiritual songs. Spiritual songs will have a testimony in it. And he said, sing with gratitude in your heart to the Lord. Don't you like to hang out with people who are grateful? Don't you like to hang out with people who always see a blessing from the Lord instead of our pitiful past? Thirdly, when we read verse 21, it's kind of the end of this little section that Paul is writing. And it's not only the end, but it also introduces the next verses that follow. A spirit-filled Christian, according to verse 21, will give place to others in reverence to Christ. He says, be subject to one another or submit to one another in the fear of Christ. To submit means to arrange under, to put things in order and somebody is in charge. Who is in charge of the spirit-filled Christian? Christ. Who is in charge of the spirit-filled church? Christ. And when we get our act together and get in order, we are submitting to Him and to each other. Let me say that again. I only got one amen. Only one person caught it. Well, I can't even say it again because that, that just came from the Lord. When we get our act together, we not only submit to Christ, but we serve with compassion one another. Spirit-filled leadership involves humility as demonstrated by Jesus, who was the greatest of all leaders. We belong to the kingdom of God, and He is the King. And out of reverence for Him, we gladly submit to His rule and serve each other with compassion. Stephen Beck told the story one time of driving down the road and he came to a sign just before he entered a very narrow bridge that said yield. And so he slowed down, he looked for oncoming traffic and he crossed the bridge. When he was through with his trip he came back the same route and when he got to the same bridge there was the same sign on the other side that said yield. And he wondered why are there two yield signs on this same bridge? And then he realized drivers from both directions were requested to give the right-of-way to each other. It was a reasonable and gracious way of preventing a head-on collision. When the Bible commands us to be spirit-filled, to be subject to one another, it is simply a reasonable and gracious command to let the other have the right-of-way and avoid interpersonal head-on collisions. It's my joy to yield with you as your pastor, as we all yield to Christ. It is for His glory. It is for His honor. So what have we said today? We've tried to say that being a Spirit-filled Christian means that we are guided by supernatural wisdom a superior wisdom so that we can be wise instead of foolish. 
means also that we are governed, not just guided, but also controlled, spirit-filled. Like this half, like if this glass were full of water, it's filled. We are governed by future hope. And that causes us to sing, making melody unto the Lord. Not only in just our songs, but sing from the heart. And I'm, I know some of you are happy to be included there because not everybody can sing in a choir. But sing from the heart. That means let your heart be glad, whether you can care a tune or not. So let us be governed by that future hope and sing joy, joyous songs in praise to our Jesus. It means also that we give place to others in reverence to Christ. May God be praised as we yield to Him. Amen? He is Lord, and He is King of kings. Today you might be that someone who God has laid upon your heart to unite with our church from a sister church, or to give your life to Jesus and follow through in believer's baptism. This is your opportunity today to make that decision public. When should I go forward, Pastor, and declare my faith in Christ publicly? That's really all you're doing. When you're coming forward, you're saying to the whole world, I'm making a declaration of my faith. I am professing that I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life and preside in my heart. Not just reside, but preside in my heart. And following in baptism is your announcement to the world that you made that commitment and that decision to, for, for Christ. So this is the day that you need to come. Father, you be in charge of this invitation May the decisions that are made here bring glory and honor unto your name. God, thank you for this beautiful church, Equine Baptist Church. Thank you for the fellowship that you've created here, the challenges that we face. Thank you for the opportunities for ministry ahead of us. And may, Father, we all be yielding to you through the Holy Spirit. Christ is Lord and Savior of our lives. Give us that superior wisdom. Give us, Lord, that peace that passes understanding. Give us, Lord, your blessing of knowing that we belong to you for all of eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. All the people said, Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You, too, can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.